This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. All right, God's good. Let me say it again. I said God's good. All right. Well, we're going to jump right into part three of our Flavors of Faith series called Incense of the Holy. And I'd never dreamed I'd be preaching a message on the spices of the Bible. And now this is part number three. And God has spoken to us all day. Can I go ahead and tell you, I have not made it past the introduction in all, all of the previous services today. That's as far as I've gone. And so... I like to keep everything uniform. God, speak to us in this moment. Mark chapter 9, verse number 50. Father, open it to us before we begin to read so we can see things we normally couldn't see. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you've been doing in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. All right. So some of us, you know, how many of you remember when you were a kid and you'd watch those commercials and you'd see the toy maybe on the cereal box and and you just had to have that box, and, and as soon as you got home, your hand went straight into the cereal. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. And how many of you were a little let down with what came out versus what you saw in the commercial? I mean, that thing was flying on the commercial, you know. It was a flying Fred Flintstone car. How many you know what I'm talking about? And it comes out, and it's just something you're throwing at each other, all right? Yeah, you're a little let down. I remember that a little bit, but now some of you younger people won't understand what I'm talking about, but they used to have these things, we called them TV dinners. They came in an aluminum tray. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Let me just say, if you ever find an old TV dinner in some freezer and think, wow, let's try this, don't put the aluminum tray in the microwave. Not good, okay? But they would show these commercials. It would be amazing. They would be awesome. Everybody was sitting around enjoying it, having fun. And so you were at the store, and this is the way the conversation kind of went. It went a little bit like this. Mom, I've got to have this. Mom says, you don't need it. You're like, but please, please, you know, all the cool, cool kids are eating TV dinners. And my mom would always say it like this. If I buy that, you will eat it. And so you're like, I'll eat it, I promise, I'll eat the whole, well, not the tray, but the whole thing. And then you take one bite, and suddenly you are no longer hungry, because it has no real flavor. You know, I don't, you know, care how much you tried, how much Tabasco sauce you added, how much seasoning you added, it was just flavorless. If you're trying to serve God, without the power of faith in your life, that's exactly what it's like. Religion is flavorless. So let's find out what to do about it. Now, I was reading the book of Matthew this week, and if I read the book of Matthew, I read the same passage we're going to read today. I'm thankful that Matthew was in a better mood, I mean that Mark was in a better mood than Matthew. Because when Matthew heard the sermon that Mark heard, this is what Matthew heard. Matthew heard, hey, if salt loses its Flavor, what do you do with it? Just throw it out because it's not even good enough to walk on. But Mark heard a little bit of hope. He said, now salt is good for seasoning. 
Can I get an amen, amen for that? Let me just go ahead and tell you. If you've been at home putting salt, too much salt on your food, do not blame it on this sermon series. I am not responsible for your bad habits, okay? But if salt loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? There's a question there. You must. Here's the answer. You must have the qualities of salt. And that's what we've been talking about in this series. What are the qualities of salt among yourselves? And then you have to live in peace with each other. If you can't live in peace with each other, if you can't get along with each other, then you are never, listen to me, you are never going to be the salt of the earth that God's called you to be. So we've got to find out what the qualities of salt are, and we've got to live in unity and peace together. All right. So... Let me go ahead and tell you, I haven't made it far in this message. It'll probably be a two-parter, but we're going to go as far as we can. But here's the first quality we learned uh, three weeks ago. That salt it has the quality of purity and cleanliness, which translates in faith terms as holiness. Okay? As holiness. Why is this important? Because we talked that day about what salt will do to ice on your driveway. What happens with that? It melts it. How many are thankful for salt on the driveway? All right. How many are thankful that when you need salt for your food that they don't go out and sweep the salt off the driveway and try to put on your food? Why? Because it's no longer pure. Now watch this. A life of holiness not only changes you, but allows you to become a change agent upon anything and anyone who comes in contact with you. That when you begin to allow God to do what he wants to do in your life, that it's not only going to change your life, but it's going to change everybody that you encounter. This is important because if it changes everybody that you encounter, what it's going to do is the Bible teaches us that they're going to realize that there's something different about you. And if there's something different about you, then there's hope that there can be something different about them. So you don't resemble who you used to be. Now, most many of you are thinking, well, I don't know that I've changed that radically. Can I tell you, the more you grow in God, the less you're going to look like who you used to be. As a matter of fact, some of the things you used to do, listen to me carefully, are no longer going to be attractive to you. This is the way it is in my life. I think, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? And then I realized that I wasn't even thinking. I was just following the scripture calls it the lust of the flesh. I wanted to satisfy what I wanted in life. Listen to me. It's not only going to be a change in your life, but it's also going to help change others because they're going to begin to follow your example. So let me just ask you today, could other people follow your example to know Jesus more? See, that's what God wants for you. A quality of salt means that people can follow your path and get to know Jesus more. Here's another one. It won't only be a good connection for others. Sometimes God wants to radically change your life so much that when you get around others, people are going to say, what do you think? You're better than us now? You think you're something special? Can I tell you that a true believer realizes that they are are nothing special, that the only difference between them and the the person who's asking that question is that they have trusted Jesus Christ to change their life. This is important. I want you to get what I'm about to say. But the reason that people will say, what do you think, you're better than me? What they're really saying is, I want you to come back to who you used to be so that I won't feel so bad about where I am. And when people want you to go backwards in life, it's never a good thing. 
I was talking in the last service, and that's the service that our, our rehab is a part of. And I said, I said, hey, guys, you know, uh, think about this way. They, your old friends say, well, you, I mean, you think you're better than us? Why don't, you, why don't you go back to being who you used to be? That's the guy I liked. And you go, you mean the guy that would steal from you? The guy that would lie to you? The guy that would get in a fight with you? Look, the people who want to pull you back, they're trying to pull you back for negative reasons. They're trying to pull you back so that it makes them feel better about themselves. What, they, what you need to understand is the Bible says that if you'll keep your ground and not go backwards, listen to me, and if, listen to me, if you ever think you have to compromise to win somebody for Christ, then you have made a bad mistake. You are mistaken. What you need to do is stand your ground and let what God wants to do in you cause them, the Bible says, to be stirred to jealousy. Oh, this is not popular preaching, apparently. All right, second quality of salt. Salt preserves and enhances. You should never tear other people down to make you feel better about yourself. I could stand up here in this bully pulpit and name everybody else's sins, but you know what that would make me? A hypocrite. And I don't want to be a hypocrite. I want to tell you, I struggle just like you struggle. People say to me, I've never heard a pastor admit that they, they have sin in their life. I'm like, well, then they're all lying. Because we all struggle. All have fallen short of the glory of God. No one is perfect. My job is not to judge you. My job is to help you get up on your feet and help you with me walk closer to know Jesus more. Amen. Now look, if you feel judged, that does not necessarily mean that I'm judging you. It just may mean that you realize that you're wrong because of what you're seeing in somebody else's life. But my job is to say, I've been there. And if, if God can... It's like one of the books that I wrote. I, and I, You know how sometimes people give you a compliment, but it feels a little bit more like a slap? I don't know... I mean, sold thousands and thousands of copies and people will come up to me and they'll go, this book ministered to my soul so much. And I'm like, how did it minister to your soul? And they say, because I realized that if God can use you, he can use anybody. I'm like, I think that's good. But I think what I really tried to do is we have that little statement, real love now. I've tried to tear down the facade that pastors too often put up. So we all realize we're all on a journey that needs Jesus. And if we help each other, we'll enhance each other's lives. Point number three brings us to this week. Salt unlocks hidden aromas. I want you to get that. Salt unlocks hidden aromas. Now when we speak of an aroma, I'm talking about the, the perfumers of old. They understood, and they know today even, that if you want to bring out certain florals in a perfume, if you want to bring out certain smells in a perfume, you have to throw a little salt into the mixture because the salt actually will cause the that, that, that aroma to arise from that different ingredient. And, it will, and if you want a smoky flavor, you must add a lot of salt. So that's why you'll see a lot of steaks. They'll throw a lot of salt on there while they're cooking them because it enhances that char uh, carbon. That's what, you, what you'd say in Spanish. It enhances that 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 charred uh, 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 grilled, uh, you know, outside uh, flavor. Okay. Oh, I suddenly I said that, and I was suddenly back in Mexico in the backyard having oh carne asada there. I'm telling you. Oh, I'm sorry. Back on track. All right, God's good. But that flavor enhanced by that salt. Now listen to me. This is important. What, what does that matter with anything? 
Because in Scripture, anywhere you hear aroma, sweet savor, it always references one particular thing. You ready for this? Worship. Whenever you hear about an aroma or a sweet smelling smell, it always, always is, is talking about worship. Now here's something I want to give you to ponder for just a moment, and I'll try not to preach on it like I've done in all the other services. I'm supposed to give it to you and then come back around to it, but, but I feel this in my heart. Listen to me, a little salt is necessary to enhance worship. If you want to enhance worship, think about this for just a moment, okay? Then you're going to have to throw a little salt into the worship. Now see if you can figure that out as we begin to read Exodus chapter 30. In Exodus chapter 30, verse number 34, now we went there earlier in this series, we're back toward the end of the chapter now, and in verse number 34, what we actually find is God's recipe for worship. God said, if you'll take all of these spices and put them together this way, then you can bring that as a sweet-smelling worship before me. Okay? Then the Lord said to Moses, gather fragrant spices, resin droplets. Can I just go ahead and stop for a moment? The next time you're reading Exodus and you go, what good does this do for me? I want you to think about moments like this message. Watch this. Gather resin droplets, Mollusk shells. I mean, how many of you have ever, that's like going to the lake and picking up mussels almost, right? All right. And galbanum. And mix these fragrant spices with pure frankincense, okay? That oil of that pure frankincense weighed out, notice this, in equal, in what? Equal amounts. Let me stop there and tell you. We're going to be talking about what each one of those things brings to the act of worship. But if you get them out of order, it will no longer be about his worship, but it'll be about more about your fulfillment. And we're going to talk about reverence and respect and resetting and rejoicing and all these different components of worship as we get deeper into this chapter. But if all of a sudden I become so focused on, I can't wait to church to, to get to church so I can, uh, so I can get my, uh, my, my praise move on. Come on now. I mean, I, you think, I'm not criticizing anybody. One day I will dance like Mike. That's you. That, I just came up with a new t-shirt for our church. I will dance as Mike did. You know what I'm saying? All right. And those of you who understand, I will dance like David did. I will dance like Mike did. Come on. It might take me till I get to heaven, but one day I shall dance like Mike. There's nothing wrong with Mike's dancing. But if, if I'm so focused on that outward expression that I no longer see what you don't see is what, when I see him down on his knees back there and you see him up here and I see him having a balance of the worship. If it's all about does this make me feel better? Does this make me go up from my emotional low and suddenly have a church high? You know what? God didn't call me to be a cheerleader. He called me to be a pastor and to preach the word of God to you and to tell you that you need to have a good balance in your life because if you get it out of balance, there's a problem. Watch this. Using the usual techniques of the perfumer or the incense maker, I want you to blend these spices together. But then I want you to watch this. These spices that represent worship, I want you to sprinkle them with... Who is the salt? We are. You are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. Jesus said that. He said, I want you to take all of these things together 
And then I want you to throw a little salt on it. And after you throw a little salt on it, then you'll be headed in the right direction. What does that matter about anything to us today? Pastor Don, what does this antiquated, ancient, old recipe have to do with us today? I'm going to show you the different components probably at a later date, but I want you to realize the beauty of this moment. He says, I'm going to give you all the right aspects of worship, but then you've got to throw a little bit of salt. Who is salt? We are. You've got to throw yourself into the worship because if you can't put yourself into the worship, then it's not real worship. But hold on, Pastor, you don't understand. I am flawed. I am broken. I am what you described earlier. There's nothing special about me other than I'm saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, that's what your worship needs. It needs to be there. In spite of your failures this week, he's still God. In spite of your pain this week, he still deserves the praise. In spite of what you're going through, he's still the King of Kings. He's still the Lord of Lords. And we ought to find somewhere within us that says, no matter what I'm going through, he's still God. In other words what I always say we've got to worship what's right about him when there's not perfect things about us this is so important that if you are going through pain can I tell you it's easy to praise when you're on the mountaintop now when I was a boy we used to have an old commercial most of you won't get this but there was an old Toyota commercial when you got your new Toyota you jumped up in the air you clicked your heels together and you said oh what a feeling come on now If I showed up at Carl's house with a brand new, paid for, fully loaded Toyota Tundra and said, it's yours for free, Carl would not go, thank you, Pastor. He'd be like, what? I know Carl. Have y'all seen that video? Carl would be like, "Ooh!" (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Carl's not doing that little dance across. Why? Because it's easy to get excited when things are good. We used to have, remember Ed McMahon sent you that thing, I want to come to your house with $10 million. If Ed McMahon showed up to your house with $10 million, you'd open the door and you'd be like, oh, glad you showed up, right? <laughs> I'd be like, quick, get a rope, tie him down. He's not going anywhere until we cash that jack. Come on now, amen. Why? Because everything has changed. It's easy to praise when you feel like everything has changed. But the greatest praise of your life never comes from a high mountain. It comes from a place of pray, a pain. Because when you're in a place of pain and you still stand up and declare, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. And you declare his goodness and his mercy. That's real worship. And that's throwing salt on the worship. You're saying, I don't care where I am. I don't care what I've done. God's still God and God's still holy and God's still great. And God still deserves all the praise. And I just wish I could find somebody to give him a praise this morning. Amen. Amen. I know I'm getting a little bit older now, but I watched Judah Smith on TV yesterday and he was yelling. So I thought if Judah can yell, I can still yell too. Come on. Amen. I might not have the hair he has, but... He'll be like me one day. Watch this. Using that technique, sprinkle them with salt to produce a pure and holy worship. That true worship doesn't fake it. True worship happens even when you don't feel worthy. True worship says, I'm not really thrilled with where I am right now. But God's still God. God's still good. True worship says, thanks be to God that if I 
look around me and everything else is imperfect, He is still the beauty of my soul. The joy of my life. You may have never experienced one of those dark moments. I've experienced them a few times in my life. I've told these stories many times before, but I just felt led to share it this morning for some reason. I, I know many of you are probably tired of hearing this, but when you are... You've just left the hospital. They've told you that your two-year-old is brain is so dehydrated that, that, that they don't know if they'll have normal cognitive skills when they, uh, uh, are, if they're revived. Their blood sugar, this normal blood sugar is about 82. There's the 777. And you get to your car, and the moment you get to your car, it's like Satan himself sits down in your car. Anybody ever had a moment like that? How dare you think you were going to do something for God? How dare you think God was going to use you in this generation? I'm going to kill your baby and there's nothing you can do about it. And you know what most of us would do? And I've heard many teachings. We'd start rebuking the devil. Do you know what? I didn't rebuke the devil. I started lifting up the king. And when I started lifting up the king, suddenly the atmosphere in my car changed. I've been with many of you through your darkest days and I've heard you still say, God is good. He is faithful. Even when you lose both parents in a 10-day period, I saw your worship and he saw it more than I did. You see, God is watching for us to put our lives before Him. Grind some of the mixture into a very fine powder, Scripture says. Put it in front. Where? In front. It's time for your worship to go from the private places of your life to the public places of your life. It's important. And put it in front of the ark where I will meet with you in the tabernacle. You must treat this incense as most holy. I'm going to stop there for just a moment. That you must put it in the tabernacle. The difference between the temple and the tabernacle, the temple was stationary. The tabernacle, it went wherever they went. They would move, worship went with them. They would move, worship went with them. Now listen to me, this is so important. That's one reason why I love Victory's uh, uh, statement. We say it's where the church worships when the church isn't at church. I got in my car this morning and the song that was playing caught me up into the presence of the Lord, just like that. In the presence of the Lord. And I began to worship Him. It's sort of like this. He said, look, I want you to take it, put it in front of the ark, and it's burning, and it's aroma, it's a smell, and put it there. Now, why is that important? Because they weren't allowed close to the ark, but, but, it was, but this permeating perfume smell is, is just burning around, around the clock, okay? I, I understand this. My little boy was outside playing yesterday. He is 300 feet from my neighbor's fire, uh, and he comes in, and I'm like, you been? Did you go over there? He's like, what are you talking about? I said, you smell like the fire. So they were allowed within about X amount of feet. As they're walking past 
the tabernacle. They're walking reverently because they're close enough to the tabernacle of God's presence. But as they're walking past, all of a sudden, they get somewhere up to where the Ark of the Covenant, so that's the back of the tabernacle. They're, they're right about here, and all of a sudden, they go, and they smell his worship. I, I, I'm sorry, I, don't, I guess you don't get what I'm trying to say. Let me say it this way. You're in your house. I'm in my house. I'm going from bedroom to the living room. i got to pass by the kitchen. Christina's in the kitchen baking up brownies. I'm walking along. Somewhere about here I go... Can I tell you what I don't do? Keep walking. <laughs> Suddenly, she needs a hug. <laughs> I need to show my gratitude. <laughs> How long till those are done? You see, true worship, when brought into your daily life, won't allow you to keep walking past it will cause you to turn aside. This is important. It's like when I go to Magdala. The four times I've been in the city of Magdala in Israel, I, the first time caught me the most because I did, wasn't expecting it. Now I go in expecting it, okay? And there are places I know what they're going to smell like when I get there. But I walked into the, the lower, not the up church upstairs, the lower, below ground, cavernous worship place. Picture of the woman being healed, the touch the hem of his garment is there, and as, as it's there, all of a sudden, I sense something, and I'm like, the Holy Spirit's presence is there. His presence is there. Can I tell you that the only way your worship is going to really break through is if you invite the Holy Spirit into your worship. John chapter 4 says it this way in the 23rd verse of John chapter 4. It says, but the time is coming, and indeed it's here now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in what? Spirit and in truth. For the Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way in spirit. Now, bear with me just a moment. For God is spirit. For God is spirit. So that those who worship Him must worship Him in Spirit and in truth. Now, you've been trying to separate those two and teach on those one week on spirit, one week on truth. But the reality is you can't worship in your spirit unless you're being honest about the truth. Why do you need the Holy Spirit? Can I just put it in really simple terms? I know how. Everywhere the Holy Spirit is seen in Scripture, there are many different references. Most often, most common is wind or oil. The oil of the Holy Spirit, like as in the Oil that creates the atmosphere to hold the other florals in the perfume. Listen to me. True worship happens in the presence of the Holy Spirit. This is important. Listen to me. How much do you need the Holy Spirit? Well, go try to drive your car for a while without any oil in it and tell me how that works out for you. You might get, oh, listen to this. You might be living hot-tempered. But when you have the Holy Spirit in your life and the Holy Spirit is working inside of you, you'll find that things run a whole lot better. 
But if God is spirit, then I have to worship Him in spirit. I can fake it in my mind. I can fake it in my flesh. But your spirit doesn't know how to fake it. So what I have to do, it's like the woman who came before Him with the alabaster box. The first thing she had to do was break it. And when she broke it open, then her love and worship could be spilled out. If I really want to worship Him, I've got to take off all the facade and I've got to get honest with about where I am and realize that my life, I am the salt of the earth and there's some places in my life that don't have the flavor they're supposed to have. But when I take, listen to me, you don't want to miss what I'm about to say. When I take my inabilities and I add the power of the Holy Spirit to it in worship, it enhances the flavor of my life to where I suddenly begin to resemble what God created me to be. And then everything begins to change. Now, I want you to stand with me in this place. Worship is taking time to make note of God and His nature and attributes and claims. Now watch this. It's about what He is, who He is, what He has done, and what He is doing. This is so important. It's about what He is, who He is, and what He has done. Let me say that again. Worship makes me think about who God is, what He is, and what He has done. Most of us come to church and we think about who we are, what we have failed in, and what we've been up to. But worship changes our attention. Worship says, I'm going to stop thinking about how you wronged me, how I wronged you, how I failed, how this failed, how this happened, what this was, and I'm going to start thinking about the fact that He never failed me. Most of you are afraid to accept God for who He really is, the Father of your life, because your father somehow failed you. I was at a funeral this week, and they, they, they sung, Good, Good Father. And I thought to myself, how easy it is for them to see the Father because they had a good father. When you didn't have a great father, it's hard to see Him as Father because you don't trust the Father. Can I tell you something? God will never do you wrong. He will never walk out on you. He is always where you need Him to be. I know I think I told you this maybe last week, but I'm walking through the gym the other and, and I don't ever walk through the gym when the kids are in there in the school very often because I'm usually in a hurry and, and as I'll cut through these doors, but instead I, I, I noticed my, my grandson was in the gym. Can you fault me? I just wanted to see what he was up to. So I, I go through that way, and as I'm walking through, he doesn't see Papa. Do you know what Papa's doing? I'm usually walking like this, you know. But I'm slow stepping. Then he sees Papa. Oh, my goodness. He could have asked for the keys to the kingdom right there. Because his face lights up, his eyes light up, his arms go wide, and he comes running and jumps in Papa's arms. 
and kisses me right here. I love you, Papa. And I really could have said, how much do you want in your college fund? Because <laughs> Papa loves you too. But could it be possible that our Heavenly Father could have went that way, but instead He came this way, and instead of walking through quickly, He's slow-stepping this morning? Could it be possible that we sense His presence and our face shows it and our hands go wide and we jump into His arms we kiss Him with our words and His response is, what's this? It's already all yours anyways. Anything you need is yours. Now your heads are in this place. I don't know who all God's speaking to today, but somebody I feel like the enemy has shut down your worship. I'm going to define that for you. You've been too busy criticizing other people to realize that you can't worship while you criticize. You can't judge. You can't feel out of place. You can't feel out of, out of where you belong uh, uh, when you're worshiping. Because if you worship in spite of the darkness, if you worship in spite of pain, if you worship in spite of the oddness or, or the frustration or even how you may have been wronged or not wronged or you've the wronger or whatever it is, God inhabits that space. God wants you to hear this today. He's hungry for your worship. On every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment, I want to ask you a question today. If you understand that God's speaking to you today because you've allowed something wrong about you from really serving Him the way that He deserves and worshiping Him the way that He really, really deserves to be worshiped, then I want to see your hand today majority of people in this room thank you I feel like that that's a true honesty because I don't I think Paul would have raised his hand right then I think Peter would have raised his hand right then my hand is among you but that's what true worship is it's when I realize I could be worshiping even more invite you into prayer with me now. Father, I thank you that you see all of us, those watching, those present, those listening. You see us all. You hear us today, God. You hear our voices. You hear our hearts. You, you see the longing of our souls. And we admit that there too many times we let what's wrong with us and what's wrong with our life and what's wrong with our world and what's wrong with our nation and what's wrong about so many things mess up our worship forgive us somebody needs to confess that with me forgive us cleanse our hearts oh God restore our souls and in worship we will find the peace that we have been longing for I ask you Lord to let them catch a whiff of your presence this week at different intervals so that they too may breathe in your presence and then lift up your praise. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen.
What's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now.